Welcome to the podcast where we take something old, a Doctor Who story from the original series, compare it with something new, one from the new series, and add something borrowed. Well, there's no sketch this time, but there might be the odd second-hand opinion along the way. And that makes Something Who. Hello, I'm Richard, and we're back with Something Who podcast, episode 86, where this time we're looking at two stories that involve regeneration at Christmas time. Okay, the first one's a bit of a cheat. Third (laughs) Doctor story, Planet of the Spiders, the finale from season 11, was repeated during the Christmas holidays in 1974. But after that, we'll examine the 11th Doctor's swan song, The Time of the Doctor, which was the Christmas special in the anniversary year of 2013. And with me this time to decide whether these stories are refreshing palate cleansers or makeovers from hell are two Something Who regulars. So first, it's our resident storyteller, Paul. Hello, Paul. Good evening. Good evening at the time of recording. Good yes. whatever hour of the day it should be, listener. Yeah, yeah. We, 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 I don't suppose we can, we can prescribe when uh, people should listen to us. It, it'll always be evening for me, I guess. And also science and astronomy writer, Giles. Evening. Yes, it is the evening. It definitely. It's always, yeah. evening. It's always the evening somewhere. Yeah. Absolutely. And I'm aiming to actually do a better job of editing this than normal so that we actually get this out in time for Christmas. <laughs> oh, uh, since it is sort of loosely Christmas themed. Oh, in that sense. Yeah. Yes. <laughs> Speed rather than quality. I was thinking, don't well, harden yourself. The, it's not the, that uh, bad. It's not the yeah, tightest the, the, podcast I've ever heard, but it's. Not. Yeah, <laughs> the quality may drop a little bit in, in order to get the speed up, but we'll see how we go. I mean, I, okay. I'll, I'll, I'll do my absolute best in the available time. Well, absolutely. Yeah, I mean, I don't know whether we want to say anything about it. Since we last spoke, we've had the three tenant specials. I mean, I, I, I as an opening gambit, I could say that I personally found that I liked them increasingly. I, mean, I, I guess I thought I found the Star Beast okay. Hmm. The Giggle, I thought, was excellent. And Wobbly Yonder was sort of somewhere in between. Mm-hmm. Uh, I don't know if you wanted to venture any thoughts <laughs> of your own. Oh, crikey. I had a way of a time with all three of them. It's so nice to Good. have... Um, I thought as it was perfectly judged. It was just so clever, wasn't it? Three mm. different slices of Who, nice and reminiscent of um, of days gone past, if one one era in particular. Mm. I think the middle one was the, was the oddest. I mean, lots of people commented. Um, you know, some people have missed the point and said, well, these, are, these are supposed to be anniversary specials. There's nothing very special about this middle one. There's only got two people in it. <laughs> well, I would have thought, why the reason it's there? Well, you know, cynics might say it's to save money. Why, why do you need to save money when you're when you're coming back for a 60th anniversary? If you've only got David Tennant and Catherine Tate back for three episodes, you need to make the most of them. And if they're going to be yeah. surrounded by spectacle, and uh, and yeah, they have to share the screen with a few other returning characters either side. Perhaps not as much as <laughs> some people would have wanted, but really, this is giving us something we never quite got. It's giving us Midnight, but with Donna in it. So that was my favourite of the three. Mm. But they were all sensational you all know what i think about the celestial toy maker mm. he doesn't <laughs> no apologies required for the toy maker from me <laughs> and um but it was terrific so that's all right then excellent <laughs> yes yeah, very good yes yeah no i i also thoroughly enjoyed good yeah they all had they all had, they all had their ups and their downs but generally it just felt like everything was operating on a you know much yeah on a, on another level from 
some of the stuff we've had to put up with. It was just quite. It was just quite nice to be able to turn on and sort of not have to feel like, okay, is is this going to be a good one or a bad one? Just feel that mm. you know, reasonably confident that you were going to have a um, you were going to have a fun ride, whatever they threw at you. Really, yes, yeah, I've got my got my little quibbles about about some bits of them, but nothing um nothing too bad. And it's just yeah, it's very nice to to have it have it up and running again. And I, I guess the I guess the remit really was to well, it felt it felt a bit like the remit was to say, okay, here's here's all the stuff that Doctor Who can do, and yeah. just to be a be a big reminder of reminder of that. We can do funny, we can do scary, we can do weird. We can do a combination of all three and quite epic at the same, you know, at the same time, and just be, yeah. So I think it's it's been a great, yeah. Palette cleanser is a good word, good word really for the for the whole new new era, and I'm, uh, yeah, looking forward to. Uh, good lord, it's uh, it's only going to be next month, isn't it? Christmas yeah. Day. I mean, palette, palette cleanse is one word for it, isn't it? I didn't even get round to mentioning how, in terms of all the things that were clever about it, how it ties up the first, uh, what have we had, 18 years, however many, 14 series of Doctor mm. New Who in a bow, so that we can start afresh. Now, yeah. if you'd told the average <laughs> Doctor Who fan before, ahead of time, that there was going to be a soft reboot with Shuji Gatwa, possibly partly for the benefit of all those wonderful new Disney Plus viewers who are going to be brought in. We could be expanding the viewership dramatically, in which case you do need to not scare the <laughs> scare them away. But of all the ways you could approach that, this was so economical. To pick up that thread that the Doctor, since the show was brought back, <laughs> they've never got over the Doctor's, the idea that the Doctor is a character suffering some sort of lingering trauma. Yeah. In the new series, um, every successive showrunner has added to it. Every mm. time somebody's tried to close, shut down the one source of trauma, <laughs> somebody's invented another one. Mm. And um, Russell appears to have spotted this and thought, which was interesting because going into this, going into uh, Star Beast, it, <laughs> it seemed very familiar because, uh, uh, well, it was the next episode, wasn't it? The Doctor's reaction to the timeless child stuff and the destruction of Gallifrey he's almost reset his mental state to where the ninth doctor was back in 2005. Mm. Yeah. So uh, would you know you might have thought Russell would think oh this is very familiar I'll just you know, I'll carry on writing it exactly the same way but he obviously recognized that he could have some fun with that and also draw a line under it mm. without it feeling rushed. I just I was just very impressed and um although one is suspicious that the reason the 14th doctor is is hanging around off <laughs> off stage left is in case we need a spare <laughs> the break glass for emergency tenant in case mm. the figures <laughs> fall. Uh, the in-universe story mm. that the Doctor needs time to get over his problems so the 15th mm. Doctor can be bright and sparkling and unencumbered. Mm. And we haven't got time to show that in three episodes. So this, this is perfect. Um, <laughs> the science is a bit hand wavy and I mean there's a lot you have to infer but I think we the dialogue is there to it so that we can infer that mm. somehow <laughs> however many years before the 14th Doctor leaves just sipping pims in a garden is what enables the 15th Doctor mm. to bounce around in his undies without a care in the world mm. so yeah. yeah just genius 
Yeah. And I guess this this story kind of the other way around, I suppose. Uh, uh, the Planet of the Spiders actually, you know, shows two versions of a Time Lord existing at the same time. In in you know, mm, Campo and Choji. Yeah. It, well, quite. Mm. Mm. If I'd remembered, I might have mentioned that. <laughs> we, but, I mean, we do. People have. Uh, although a by by generation is is obviously something new, mm. um, regardless of <laughs> the rather extraordinary expanded version that Russell has posited that it's happened, it's rebounded back up the Doctor Time stream and happened to all mm. of them, regardless of whether we take that as read or not. There have been plenty. I, I mean, it didn't bother me for a second. Um, maybe because I'm getting old, I'm not as uptight a fan as I used to be, but. Yeah. But also, we've seen so many different types of regeneration. You can't really complain about Tenant's um, costume changing. Hmm. Uh, I, can, I, can, might compl- I might still grumble about the reasons for it. But you can't complain about it on screen because we saw that with the first one. But we've seen ki- variations on dual regenerations with Campo and, uh, Campo and Choji, hmm. who, which also seems to be reflected again with the Watcher yeah. going, going yes. into Devo. So we've, there are plenty of spins on it. Mm. And which act as kind of a precedent, but also uh, mm. the opening the door to say clearly this is not a sim- a, such a simple singular process as we might have assumed. Yeah, but it's anyway. arguable. It's arguable that, that you know the first kind of regular regeneration is perhaps Davison into Baker, which is I mean it's bizarre when he says <laughs> feels different feels different this time because they've all been mm. different, haven't they? Every single one of them to that point has been different, and it's yep. really only at that point that maybe some kind of standardization starts to break in, although then mm. actually the remaining ones in the classic era are all over the shop as well. Every it, time it's different, isn't it? He's always mm. needed a push, hasn't he? The TARDIS helps him the first time. Yeah. The Time Lords yep. in, in, in of the entire thing the second time, but here it's impl- Choji implies that it's it needs a push. Yeah. I mean, that's that's very vague. It could be anything. It could just be that the Doctor's too been too damaged to regenerate on his own yeah. we don't know the rules are all over the bloody place and they mm. and they will continue one thing we didn't get this year was any post-regeneration uh what's the word eccentricity Mania, maybe mm. anything i mean yeah we didn't get there was no um lying in a bed for 24 hours or being hyper oh, yeah. even yeah. though we we've apparently cut skimmed over oh with te- with sorry with tenants yes yeah, with tenants. yeah i was thinking more with the yeah i mean I even thinking. if you incorporate Hmm. The Dalek cutaway. Hmm. Did I say if I, I keep pointing this out because I'm rather delighted by the the fact that both times the Doctor's regenerated into David Tennant, our first sighting of him has been in a Children in Need special, hmm. which has dealt with a lot of important plot stuff before we get his first episode proper. Yeah, I've I've a hunch. I don't know. I think with I've. It seems a little bit odd. I, I've I've a hunch that we're going to be seeing. You know, I, I think. I think tenants there for more than emergency. I have a feeling there's, <laughs> I have a feeling there's a plan that we're going to be we're going to be seeing him again before. Well, I mean, they say there too are too long. They say mm. rather, they are there are no plans. Well, that is the most suspicious red flag phrase. <laughs> no plans. <laughs> yes. There's nothing uh, written on a bit of paper with plans. Yes. Re- plans yeah. of the return of the talking doctor at the top, mm. but mm. there could be all sorts of other things that don't come under that heading. Well, because the thing is, I feel like the, uh, but the, they can't. They couldn't mm. say. Because it would no, of course be undermining the new Doctor. So we all know. We all yeah. know, don't we? We all know. I, yeah, but I'm I think... Ha- the th- and I'm happy with that. Mm. But I, th- I think the thing is they also, you know, they just the sheer gusto of it. Because I, I had some... Obviously, I'd heard some rumours about 
that they were trying, they were going to do something like this, and I thought, no, they never would because it would undermine shooty and like, oh, it's bad optics and so on. But but I felt like what they did somehow the way it played out, you were never in any doubt from the mm. from the moment that shooty turned up that okay, this is where our focus yes. of attention is, and this is the new guy and the new shiny and everything, and yeah, slightly to the detriment of um of the old toy maker unfortunately but um, well, yes, this is true. I felt like it was a bit of a shame that they didn't have yeah that uh, that he sort of yeah then got sidetracked it's as much a shame that they sort of hadn't had him beaten definitively which mm. seems to close the door on him turning up anytime soon it's just as much mm. as a shame that they <laughs> made such a point of the fact that they hadn't met again since the um first mm. one yes because they have and they've had a lot of fun Yes, mm. yeah. In audio form. Hmm. Yeah. Oh, well. Audio fun. Yeah. I yeah. mean, I, I, fa- I found that I could have... I mean, there were a few things I could have quibbled about in that last one, the, the Toymaker one, but frankly, I was enjoying it so much that it, it I couldn't care about it, you know? Mm. But, yeah. you know, re- really, I was, I was along for the ride, I was enjoying the ride, and I thought it was really well told, mm. so... It's you know it's a bit like that discussion we had with with Gav about pyramids of Mars. I mean, there's some bonkers things that happen in pyramids of Mars, mm. but it's pyramids of Mars, you know. So you yes. you, you, uh, <laughs> you you kind of accept that that there's craziness in there because it's a great story, well told. Mm. Should we move on to Planet of Spiders? You know, like yes, what we're supposed to be actually talking about. Too, yes, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Okay, so I think it was I think it was important we had that little chat there because I doubt any of the other hundreds of Doctor Who podcasts have mentioned those three specials. So <laughs> probably yeah. A, it's yes, absolutely. There's been a John Dearth of coverage. Oh, very good. <laughs> oh, yeah, sorry, that made it sound. <laughs> the way I sold that was as though I'd been planning it for months. Yes. Yeah, frankly. absolutely. Oh, well, <laughs> the lightness of touch for which I'm famous. Carry on. Yes. Okay, so Planet of the Spiders, written by Robert Sloman uh, and an uncredited Barry Letts, directed by Barry Letts, produced by Barry Letts. In fact, it's Barry Letts. Yes, yes. For this review, I watched the Omnibus edition, which was shown uh, apparently between 2.45 and 4.30pm on the 27th of February 1974. I couldn't have told you that. Um, December. I, 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 uh, December. I, I did yes. know that it was a Friday and mm. it was the day before Robot. Hmm. Uh, and I oh, definitely it really? watched it. Yeah. I definitely watched it on that broadcast. So, in fact, it was the first Doctor Who story I saw twice, <gasps> and 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 therefore clearly it's it's not one that I haven't seen since broadcast. <laughs> Ring out the bells. Yeah, you absolutely. Mm-hmm. And certainly at the age of seven, I, I thought the giant spiders were were a great monster. Mm. And I, I also would have read the Target book, which came out in late seventy five. I remember from that the you know the fact that they've got the the changing face on the cover. Oh yes, um, and, and the illustration looks nothing like Pertwee. Although I have now seen the reference photo for that, and that doesn't look anything like Pertwee either. So <laughs> I, I don't know what happened. He was just pulling a strange face at the time it was taken, I suppose. Well, that's Pertwee for you. Yeah, yeah. Probably doing a funny voice as well. So yeah, uh, and the the omnibus is quite nice actually because it you know it removes about forty five minutes of of the length without. I mean, I don't know. There, there are some bits I noticed were missing, but I, I felt nothing was egregious. Anyway, I'll, I'll allow you to to, to uh, give me your reminiscences about having seen it or, uh, or what you remember of it before you actually watched it this time. Who's going first? 
Okay, I'm leaving in here. For reference, I hadn't, um, I didn't realise that the um, omnibus was had actually come out on on the DVD special edition, I believe, hasn't it? So, mm. so, I, so, yeah. yes. So I didn't. Um, so I, so I sat through all six episodes. Well, yeah, I mean, of, you, you, you can tell us about the about the points of difference, then, anyway. Gareth, Gareth, any goodness? Well, no, I can't because I haven't seen. Them. Yeah, yeah. And I wasn't going to put myself through the omnibus after, after watching yeah. the six episodes. <laughs> <laughs> yes, yeah, so I probably first saw this on, yeah, probably when it came out on VHS, whenever that was. But I was very, very familiar with the book. I would have had the second, the second cover. Was it Jeff Cummins? Right. The, um, or, but the one with the blue crystal and the spider. Yes, or I which that too, was yeah. being being somewhat arachnophobic freaks me out and obviously the the iconography of it so with the spider on her back and all of that malarkey mm. um from the doctor who monster book i guess that must have come up in things like that so i was i was very familiar with it all before i ever got around to seeing it and um so yeah i always feel slightly robbed of a joe grant cameo <laughs> at yes. the start and there's bits of it yeah well there's definitely bits of it that um that uh, you feel like, oh, that's that's weird. I mean, there's there's some very strange edits or stuff that isn't the stuff that doesn't make it didn't get filmed at various points anyway. So yeah, so there's bits that are, that are obviously are in the book, not that I've read the book for years. So I feel like I know that version. Then yeah, there's yeah bits that are missing. Even when you see the six episodes, you think, yeah, but hang on, what about that bit? So hmm. interesting. Yes. Interesting you should say that. Mm. So I've probably seen it a couple of times. I guess I read the book first. I had the the newer cover. Mm. I only read it once. There's lots of books to read. The thing I remember most about the book is um, being very sorry for Professor Clegg. Yeah. Um, he, mm. he really turns is good at those sorts of uh, moments. Mm. And pathos out of those smaller characters. It was not something he's mm. famous for compared to some writers, but he... It was effective when he did it. Mm. So yes, that that's always stuck with me. I always kind of blamed the Doctor for that. I don't know if it's I don't know if it's, it makes it seem more like the Doctor's fault in the book than it is on television because every mm. time I expect to be really annoyed with the Doctor for it. Mm. He's qu- he's quite careless, isn't he? I guess you could say at the least. And then uh, I I uh, believe this, I had a bootleg of copy of the story in the eight in the late eighties from Australian right. TV, part of a batch uh. that I acquired. But I've never, I never watched it very often. Mm. Even less often than the Time Monster, um, which was also, it was one of those. I don't know why. I think I, w- I could have sworn I'd only seen it once before today. But on the other hand, the first half of the story, all the stuff on Earth seems very familiar. And then once we get to Metabolis, mm. I barely remember any of it. But maybe I just blanked it out of my mind because. That's the point where I always expect the story to go off a cliff. I expect that to really drag everything else down and ruin it. Hmm. And um, t- today I watched the edited repeat, as yes. Richard told us to. I had t- went on an extraordinarily Sorry, long trip. <laughs> <laughs> I went on a very long... No, I was very I pleased failed. that you had. Because that saved me 50 minutes. I went on a very hmm. long treasure hunt around the house trying to find the DVDs. Ever since you mentioned it a few weeks back, I thought, oh yes, I'll just get the Blu-ray out off the shelf for that. And of course, the Blu-ray was not there because it doesn't exist. Mm, yeah. So I had to go into my black archive, into my deep vault storage. <laughs> it's actually in the attic. Yeah. 
it just took all afternoon to find it. But um, I was delighted with the with the cut down version. I've certainly never enjoyed Planet of the Spiders as much as I did on this viewing, and I think it was the editing that helps a lot. Mm. I, I'm sure there yes. are a lot of Pertwees that would I would put on far more often if they were in this format. I thought the yeah, editing I... was. Uh, do you want to talk about the editing later? I'll... No, no. Let's let's go with it since we're talking about it. Yeah. So what were you going to say? Well, I was just going to say. I, I mean, my my reckoning was there's a lot less Planet of the CSO in this <laughs> edited version. You reckon? Mm-hmm. What? So where? But, <laughs> I don't even know uh, because I'm not that familiar with it, and there were no episode breaks in the version I watched most recently, Viz mm. Today. I don't. I can't. I don't. Know which episode we get to Metabolism in? Is it four or five? It's earlier than it's not like Time Monster where we only get to Atlantis with about an episode and a half to go. Is it in four. during uh, episode four? Is it is, is it four? Because oh, um, three we, three's a big old chase, isn't it? We got there. No, early two's, expected, a big old cha- two's, two's a big okay. old chase. Okay. I think it's the end of episode three. Is okay, when, roughly. Oh. Okay. Sorry, so, no, I, 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 I should I should bloody well know this, shouldn't I? I, mean, I, I think it was just after an hour through, um, out of one hour forty-five in this version. Yes. Um, this is this is me being picky here. I I was really enjoying the story. It felt very. I like the groundedness of it for the first hour of this. I'm going to keep talking about it as if the omnibus is the only one that exists. Yeah. And um, I was dreading getting to Metabelius, and it, it did disappoint. It looks pretty awful when it first appears. Hmm. But I thought, I thought it would have been better. And in fact, if we have time, I might go on to discuss six-part stories. And you know that f- famous idea, Robert Bob Holmes hmm. decided that they were a terrible format, and the only way to make them work was to make them a four and a two. Hmm. Yeah. Or is that a two and a four? I mean, this is this is the four and two format, and I don't. I'm less keen on that. I think mm. the reason Seeds of Doom works so well is because it's two and four. So right. we, we, it's not too much of a jolt when the mm. story changes pace, changes, yeah, takes that left turn a third of the way in. When mm. you when it's getting, you know, half or two-thirds of the way in and mm. you get a big change, I think some writers think that freshens the story. It gives it a, you know... Before you dig too much of a hole, it's actually halfway into episode three. It can't be. Yeah, amazingly. Wow. I wonder if there's something no. about. I wonder if they've changed the proportions in the edited version because it's o- mm. it's o- definitely. I'm sure it's over halfway through. Mm. It's all going on very nicely, and it doesn't feel like it needs an injection of something brand new. Mm. Anyway, I would. I thought with my script editor's hat on. I'm not sure if it's a proper script editor's hat. I got it down the market. So, <laughs> but I I thought it would have probably fixed it for me if we'd started. Mm. Not that you could have done in those days, but if we started with a little flashback to Better Belis mm. in the past, with the colony ship arriving and a, and an ominous shot of the spider that causes all the trouble. Mm. Because then, when we get to Better Belis, we've seen it, and then mm, when true. we're so we don't think where's this come from. We're expecting some another planet to turn mm. up, you know. And then when we get the um, even later when we get the description of how the spiders came to be, there would have been some seeding and foreshadowing of that. Yes. So that that would fix it for me. But that that is quite picky. My my main issue is whether yeah, it's a, a good idea to to switch. Hmm. But then I I had I was pleasantly surprised that we didn't completely leave Earth behind. That we kept cutting back. Hmm. That's hmm. And the fact that Mike Yates had a role to play for the entire story. I'd completely forgotten that. I thought he yeah. just disappeared hmm. for some reason. 
Yeah, I mean, Metabilis 3 sort of feels, uh, I mean, particularly the settlement, it feels like uh, um, Butlins or something like that. It's it's sort of, it's very insubstantial. <laughs> it's sort of mm. full of these little chalets. And then you've got the TARDIS about three inches away from one of the chalets, but somehow it's unbelievable peril to you know to to to, to walk those um, that tiny distance over to the to the tides and back. Mm. So it, I I think there's just some there's a problem with the way it's realised. You know, I mean, perhaps a bit like Underworld afterwards. It just it it, it feels like whatever vision Barry Letts had had about how this was going to look, it <laughs> it, it sort of somehow fell fell a bit short of it. Mm. I am going to say. In his defence, there was one thing I liked because he was always very ambitious with his use of CSO, and he you know, he goes out the way he came in on Doctor Who. <laughs> yeah. It's not his last directed story, but you know what I mean. Yeah, he, he goes out being very ambitious, but he does create three distinctly different fields on Metabolus, three different times a day. Mm. There's n the night scenes, which look quite good, and there's even a lovely shot because he's got that a vast CSO background to create the entire. Um, yeah. horizon and sky he's able to do some interesting things with it which i think less ambitious directors wouldn't have bothered with and the the, the brief shot we get of dawn on metabolis is lovely mm. i mean he's just mm. comped in a real dawn but it's, so it, it's terrific but, it's yeah. only a, it's a shame that most of the shots daytime when it just looks like you know we've got the play school studio lighting and everything mm. but i will give him that he, he had a good go at it it's a shame it wasn't you know i'd have made it always night on metabolis so we could have had some atmosphere but you know Mm. Can't have everything. Oh, and uh, you know, I I do hate to talk about technical issues, but the choice of yellow backgrounds for CSO in this is a big mistake because yeah. they clash wildly. If they're gone with blue, half the time people are against the sky. The Hoomobile is flying up in the, in the sky. The Doctor yeah. often stood against the bright blue sky on Metabolis. Mm. The bloody cave with the blue crystals at the end. It would look terrific <laughs> if they'd used blue. I wouldn't have cared if he had blue fringing in his hair. It would have made it. I'd have thought, "Wow, what mm. a great cinematographer you've employed! Look at that! Um, look at the light reflecting off the blue crystals in the Doctor's hair." I would have said. So that's a shame. Yeah, could that have worked in practical terms though? Well, he'd have to change the colour of his bow tie, but apart from that, mm. yeah. Hey, look, mm. mate, uh, make it work. <laughs> yeah, <fair. laughs> <No>. <laughs> it's just you could change the colour of. The, you could change the colour of the TARDIS in each story, so um, if that's what you're going mm. on, you can't have blue yeah. because there's a TARDIS. Just make sure it's not in the... Uh, never mind. Mm. Yeah. In terms of that edit, I mean, I think... I th I, I, and, and it's only it, it's only a feeling. I think that Metabilis 3 has a pretty heavy toll in terms of chops, but it's not just there. We, we, we miss out the cabaret act of Professor Clegg at the very start. Yeah. Oh, we missed that out in the broadcast version, the main version as well. Don't Which we? is very, very odd. You have the Doctor and the Brigadier sitting in the audience at the start, right? Make, making, you know, with the Brigadier <laughs> making ribald jokes about the um, about the exotic dancer lady. <laughs> you get some stand-up. Oh right. You get you get the stand-up <laughs> comedian first, or the t the fag end of, the fag end of his act. Then you get the exotic dancer comes on and it cuts away and it gives the Brigadier there's there's an opportunity for a couple of couple of gags about that. That she's clearly made an impression on the Brigadier. And then just before, and with the doctor saying, Well, that's not why I brought you here, Brigadier. You know, we came to see the main event. And then they cut away from it completely, and right. we don't see any of it. And then the next thing we get is Clegg coming to the laboratory. Very odd. And them talking about having seen, having seen the act the previous day. 
which is yeah, very very strange choice. I'm, I'm glad you brought that up because I was <laughs> I was fairly sure that we saw that in the original, and to be honest, it was the only single thing that I'd spotted was missing. Hmm. Yeah, I'm you see, very... I think this is the thing from the book. I think it must be in the book. Yeah. So it, it only just gets away with it, starting with Clegg being brought in, because the way the Doctor and the Brigadier are reminiscing about the act, it mm. is obvious that we're supposed to have seen what they're talking about. But yeah, but it it does get away with it. Hmm. Yes. Yeah, I think so. And and I mean, you could say that perhaps they chopped that bit out. Well, I mean, because it was duff, but also because maybe it was inappropriate for a two forty five kickoff. But then <laughs> could be. But but then on the other hand, you, uh, you then have this issue that um, you know, um, Professor Clegg, he can, he can do his psych- psychokinesis, but he can't keep it up, mm. and that that so that's, that survived <laughs> the edit somehow. Uh, I, I I thought yes yes did did Moffat write this bit, but he's mm. a bit young probably. <laughs> strange pacing. The the Professor Clegg stuff went on a lot longer than I remembered. Mm. All. This is not much. I'm not really covering myself in glory here because I'm just establishing <laughs> how little I remember mm. know about Planet of the Spiders. Yeah, I think I'm I'm rem- confusing the fact that he gets killed off relatively early, mm. and yeah. with thinking that he's only in it for five minutes. But um, the main reason I he's a good character, but I I was struck this time. What a good setup it is. Mm. The moment when he tries to disguise the fact. <laughs> when he's telling them that it's oh, I'm sorry, it's all just a show, it's all just a play. Mm, oh yes, yeah. And the doctor turns the tables on him. Mm. It's a very unexpected twist, a very yeah. good twist, not one I've you get very often. And I personally think you could have got a whole story out of that. Mm. I realise I may be slightly biased here because of course he talks a bit like Jago, you know, he starts going <laughs> he's <laughs> he's a much more interesting character, I think, than mm. a lot of the people that we do get after he's killed off. All, I, I agree. All Lupton's yeah. boring friends and all the t- yeah. tedious colonists. I realise it would have been a bit, you know, a different story and a bit homesy to have had a a, a mildly amusing showman hmm. hanging around, and it just wouldn't have fitted in this story. It had to be something completely hmm. different. But that's how I feel. Yeah. There is only one type of Doctor Who, and it's the one which has larger than life um, carnage <laughs> in every episode. Well, Clegg's death is the is the finale to is the end of episode one. Right. right. Um, oh, that's odd. Yeah, the Doctor hasn't even got outside the lab yet, has he? No, he hasn't met Sarah Jane basically. yet. Uh, no, good Breaks point. Breaks all the rules. Does he? Uh, I'm just trying to think. No, because no, Sarah's still around the, still hanging around at the monastery at that point. Yeah. Does, uh, but yeah. Why does Mike? Why does Mike call in Sarah rather than the Doctor? Oh, I know where it doesn't go to the Brigadier, but um, hmm. is that a, a legacy of invasion of dinosaurs? Do they get on? Do they hit it off particularly well? Or is it because she's a journalist? Is all this covered and I just want to watch it? I think I think it's the journalist thing. Yeah, 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 yeah. Because she, well, she goes in undercover. You know, she's that's the thing that she's writing a profile or that she's trying to get some coverage for. Because it's a bit torn for the headlines, I think. The... And I wonder, I wonder also if he if he's trying to involve Unit, but he but he didn't actually speak to the Brigadier after after mm. the mm. way in which he disappeared. But yeah, yeah. so it's like a yeah. Hmm. A soft approach to unit. He knows that yeah. it'll get back to them. Yeah, well, I, I found it very striking that Sarah Jane is keeping up her day job in between adventures. But this is mm, all yeah. completely unprecedented for the yeah. classic series, isn't it? Mm, true. It's, it's like every character from the Moffat era. Yes. yes. Yeah. And it, I guess it's a side effect of the fact that she's been introduced at the end of the Pertwee era, which is where 
the companion tradition, well, Joe Grant has taken that role of going off into space, but then mm. having an Earth life. But Joe Grant worked for UNIT, whereas Sarah Jane has her own job and her own life. So we mm. get this. It's not been decided deliberately. It's just has to be that way. Mm. If you're if you've got a character that doesn't work for UNIT and and is the companion. Mm. But yeah. um, how odd that we got one series of that and yeah. never again until until the new era. Well, mm. the only the only possible other is Tegan, but I mean she only she <laughs> just nips off and fails to be an air. Uh, stewardess for what one story yeah. so yeah well, mm. still got no idea why that <laughs> even happened so <laughs> yeah mm. but yeah it's all very um to set up it's quite quite assy isn't it what with the yeah the doctor suddenly taking an interest in esp experiments mm. for pur- for the purposes of plot mm. <laughs> felt a little bit some <laughs> do we know if they'd set any of this up with the blue crystal uh, in in the Green Death, or was it just serendipity? It's just a, it's just a thing, isn't it? I mean, it, it, the Blue Crystal. Well, hang on. I mean, he's he's brought it as a uh, back because he likes the look of it. I think I'm not sure that he that in the Green Death he knows that it's going to be. Uh... No, I mean, I don't mean on screen. But do you think? Do we know yeah. if the right? It's an interesting is... question because this is one of the big power. You know, this is one of the thing that struck me as, and we'll get onto the parallels and you know, but. The the big thing that struck me about this from watching this and then Time of the Doctor was that I was thinking, well, this is the classic series version of Time of the Doctor, effectively. It is the one, you know, the, this story is the one thing where it actually comes out and it goes back and picks up all the, you know, picks up a lot of threads from throughout throughout the last at least three years of yeah. Pertwee. And, you know, because you've also got the, you know, the Hermit stuff and the Time Monster yep. um, and so on. And... And you know, so it's it's kind of the closest parallel that you you've got all these things that are you know, that it's kind of been building towards. It's a lot, yeah. It's obviously a lot less less on the nose than, but it's just a lot, a lot less heavily plotted. Whereas you know, mm. by the time we had time of the Doctor was deliberately, yeah, that that entire thing was structured to be that way. You know, the Matt Smith era was structured to work that way roughly. But I think it's the closest parallel. I can't really think of anything. Else that comes up where it makes quite such a thing of okay, let's dip back in and take these, take various bits from throughout the last few years, and make it a real sort of era finale kind of thing. Yeah, so 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 going back to the Green Death, I mean, the Doctor does use the Blue Crystal as a way of breaking hypnotic power, but mm. it feels like it's it's more a case of oh, here's a thing that I happened to pick up earlier on my mm. travels, rather than. He deliberately picked it up from Metabilis with the thought that I'll be able to use that to break hypnotic power. Mm. Should I happen to need to do that later on in yeah. the story, perhaps? Regarding what Giles said about um, missing the scene, you're being funny, but you said that we more missed the scene of the flashback to Joe Grant mm. because it's so mm. vivid in the book. But oddly enough, I find her letter, yeah. the amount of space and time that's given to recounting. Mm. Adventures, one of the most vivid uh, yes, glimpses yeah. we're, we're mm. ever given of a companion's life post the Doctor. Mm. It's quite mm. economically done, but very, very nicely done. And um, mm. that's um, reminiscent of her. the fact that she gets a mention in his last story is, is similar to the way that Amy gets to pop up in yeah. Time of the Doctor yes. and Clara again for, um, for Capaldi's last mm. last story, which is now a tradition. Mm. And 
Graham, but not not the other fella. Joe did last I've forgotten his name. This one who kept falling off his bike. Ryan. Oh, Ryan. oh you're Ryan. Ryan thank yes. You. Yeah. 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 Uh, just trying to see. Yeah, because he's been trying to reach Metabedes three from Carnival of Monsters onwards. Yes. <clears throat> so it's a it's a running gag, as yeah. it were. It is. At that point, and then he finally gets there. And it's not as nice as he remembers it. No. But 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 actually. It's it, it's a lot nicer than that later on as well, isn't it? I mean, it, 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 it's almost entirely a different place from what you see in The Green Death. Mm. But then, you know, I guess so is Africa a different place from Britain. So so I suppose perhaps he's just landed in a different part of it. Yes. Yes, this is very true. Let's say that. Because mm. this isn't <laughs> Star Wars where the, every planet only has one yeah. <laughs> terrain. Yeah. So, here's, here's a thought. You know, people always talk about how the master was supposed to be in this. People, people yeah. all say mm. that, don't they? And yeah. this is not true, is it? He was no, never supposed no. to be in Planet of the Spiders. Hmm. They had thought ahead that he would be in Pertwee's last story and had yes. ideas about that, vague, sketchy ideas. Yeah. Hmm. But I, I just remember, I used to read in fanzines all the time, people taking that a bit too literary and thinking that John Durth is playing mm. a character that would have been the master. That mm. It's just so... I it's so obviously not the case, isn't it? It has been specifically mm. written. Mm. But do you think... I was wondering as it was going along. For the first five minutes, I thought this was plausible because I could imagine... If it wasn't for the fact that Mike would recognise him, I could imagine that when he and Sarah first enter and meet Lupton, mm. that could be the master. We could hear the... And it no, would be the true. master in mm. some ludicrous disguise mm. running a meditation group. It's exactly the sort of nonsense he'd get up to. <laughs> yeah. But after that, no, not at all. Mm. His plan, his motivation, his characterization, everything is completely mm. different. So if there's, if there's anyone out there who still thinks that, we can put that to bed, can't I we, think guys? Maybe it's partly the fact that Lupton is such a well developed character and the fact that, you know, he seems to be. He's able to match wits with the with the spider, and get the be- you know get the better of his spider at first. Well, I mean, which is unusual because yeah. you don't expect it to be going that. You don't expect it to go in that direction. I mean, admittedly, it's possibly that may be a bit of war game style filling to you know get 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 this up to six episodes, so we've got to have a bit more going on. But in in the majority of in the majority of Doctor Who stories of the era, the or, or any era, to be honest, you'd have the spider would leap on his back and take him over, and he'd then be, he'd then be brainwashed for the duration. Yeah, especially since it's the fir- first time you see a spider doing that. It's just that it wouldn't work with the. Ma- I mean, the master is always making un, unlikely, and ultimately unfortunate bargains with aliens. Isn't mm. it? Yeah. But to have yeah. him be under the spell of the spider, as Lupton is from quite early on. Would be more the only time we've ever seen the master get something that catastrophically wrong is in survival, where mm. he's yes. fighting to keep the, the cheaters out of his head. He's not under the spell of the spider until well, is he? No, again, I think maybe we're because he doesn't. See, the, hmm? What I was thinking watching him, yeah, I was watching John Durth play Lupton. Mm. He's got his love, lovely voice, mm. you know, he's the sort of actor you might cast if you wanted a very grand villain of the old school who's perfectly mm. in charge which is why he played Boss the year before. 
but he <laughs> he spends most of the middle part of the story looking very worried and confused. Mm-hmm. Not really enact. There's no real sense that he's the things are going his way. Mm. Once the doctor blunders in, he has an a plan, mm. but it goes awry quite quickly, and then the spiders send him off on the trail of the doctor, or oh, well, not the trail, so the other way around. Mm. Makes you wonder if if Barry Letts has, has, has introduced this character because he's you know as as one of those kind of faceless middle managers in the BBC that he's having to battle with somehow. Well, yeah, you know, it, it's his, quite fun. It, it's quite it, fun the whole aspect that he's a it's a sort of veggie Perrin gone wrong. Yeah. Kind of, um, yeah, the whole it's wonderfully the, mundane, isn't it? Yes, yeah. motivation. I mean, they're all, they're all a bit, you know, they're all a bit tragic. These, the whole, the whole lot of them. Could be Robert. Could be Robert. middle-aged men, old, old Nimrod there, could and be uh, Robert well, Sloman. You're right. What was Robert <laughs> Sloman's background? Was he sort of? I just get the, I got the strangest feeling that yeah. perhaps he came from some sort of um, real world. Whereas mm, Barry, Letts, awesome. Barry Letts had always been in in um, showbiz, and show business. That's right. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Anyway. Hmm. But I mean, he, he spends most of the rest of the story looking rather on the back foot, Lupton, hmm. in my opinion, and only once or twice gets his mojo back. And but he's, I mean, yeah, he spends a lot of time pleading. Also, he disappears the story quite a long time towards the end, and is replaced hmm. by his four boring mates. Yes, that's which true, is because they're often the... quite one of the weaker parts. Because we miss him, but also we think, will you four clear off? Mm. Oh, terrible. There's a point where um, even the edit, I, I thought I was very impressed with the edit. It kept the pace up very nicely, and it seems to slow down quite a lot towards the end, and I couldn't work mm. out. There's a, an extended bit where the Doctor's in with Campo. Mm. Is it Tommy? Yeah. He's outside defending them mm. from the four boring mid 40-year-old men. Mm. And it goes on forever, and it just feels like it's clear it hasn't been cut down with the same amount of vigour as the rest of the story. But then that is a that is one of the very, very odd cuts in the in the full version because they basically uh, I didn't get to the bottom of the I was obviously reading with the production subtitles on and I didn't quite get to the bottom of why why they got themselves into this pickle, but they had they had severe underruns and right. like so on I think certainly episodes four and five both pull Put in stuff from the next episode into. I think it's essentially it's a it's an issue with four that they had to put in stuff from five, so that they're five running shorts. So the end of five and the start of six are different cuts of the same thing. So basically, it's all the stuff with Tommy outside of the right. room, and I think I Not think the, the the cliffhanger is Tommy getting zapped with. Yeah. I think the cliffhanger ended up with Tommy being zapped by the baddies and then in episode six it goes from like the scene before that and then you have two or three more scenes before you cut back to yep. the Tommy getting zapped by the baddies well, bits well, and it picking up from there it, it just stuck out with me like a sore thumb and hmm. it's rather unfortunate that you <laughs> that's exactly the sort of thing you could have cleared up in a compilation edit it wouldn't have been yeah. an issue anymore hmm. and and they appear to have failed to take advantage of that the other, I mean, what makes it particularly odd, it sort of highlights a, a different, separate problem, mm. nitpicking again. But it's at that point of the story that it becomes obvious that the the fact that the spider's electrocution powers mm. are very ill-defined becomes 
impossible to ignore. Sometimes it's treated as though yeah, a single shot is going to be... Well, no. We know from mm. early on that a single shot isn't fatal. Yeah. Because people you know, get up five minutes later, they're, they're fine. But at this... Tommy's standing there taking blast after blast of this thing and, mm. and show no ill effects. And you're thinking there's going to be a plot point there, but there isn't. Mm. Then... <laughs> Then Mike jumps in front as it, and takes one shot, mm. and everyone acts as if he's dead. And yeah, he's done something heroic yeah. by saving Tommy, who's already had a thousand of them bounce mm. off him. Campo gets hit by one and di- and actually dies. The whole thing gets very confusing, and mm. and I have nothing more to say about that than that it shouldn't be. Mm. Mm. On the other hand, spiders that can shoot electricity and teleport are exactly the sort of thing that Doctor Who was made for. <laughs> Where else would you see that? Yeah. Apart from a fever dream. Did you get the the scene where Lupton tr- turns the tables on the spider in the cut in the cut yes. down? Right. Okay. Because the thing is, there's all the stuff with him, with her on his back before then. Although you know she disappears, but it's sort of a you know I I felt like it's presented as a partnership, and he you know he's so sort of, she's guiding him, but he he's yeah. you know and then. And then there's that bit where she, you know, says, "Oh, yeah, so you've got ideas of your own, have you?" And then he turns the tables on her from that from that point onwards. And it's only really when they get to when they get to Metabolis and there's spiders in numbers that they really get the better of him. I think. Mm. I think what I was trying to say then maybe maybe not so much in the writing mm. of, of Lupton's plot as in the playing. Mm. John Durth doesn't look like he's in control, which which mm. really makes it clear that this. Makes yeah. it feel much less like this could have been a story you could have given to the master. Mm. Yeah. Anyway, mm. I think I'm fairly happy that it wasn't supposed to be. Mm. So it's a complete waste of time talking about it. <laughs> well, it's interesting. But, um, it is. The, the be- I, mm. I did have one thing to say about that, and that's that <laughs> when they when they make clear that the um, similar motivation between Lupton's ambitions mm. and the spider he's serving, he wants to overthrow the queen. Mm. Ah, uh, that's that's nice. Yeah, it's nice to have a faction among the spiders. Yes, definitely. It's quite an ambitious thing to do, considering they all look. E- <laughs> I mean, all Doctor Who monsters look identical to each other, but mm. um, it it is a nice, mm. a nice twist that that's why they're mm. using each other. People have complained in the past that Choji and Campo are a bit offensive in terms of the acting and the portrayal mm. as Tibetan monks. Mm. However, they're both Time Lords, and since, so far as we know, in 1974, all Time Lords are white men from the planet Rada, mm. they are, in fact, what they appear to be, which is white men cosplaying as Tibetan monks. So, I mean, yes, they are offensive, in their portrayal as of Tibetan monks, but but they are you're you're sort of, you're watching people actually being offensive rather than um, <laughs> you know if you see what I yes. mean you know, you, you, yeah. you know, in the fiction as as well as in the reality. Mm. <laughs> well, there you go. Mm. You seem to be getting into the same drifting the same realms that uh, Russell was using to explain the toy maker's motivation. I I get, made him do lots of incredibly offensive European <laughs> accents. That we would never have got away with otherwise to show that he's a racist. Because uh. we know he's a racist because he wore a Chinese coat once. Right. Um, mm, yeah. I'm not going to go into that any more deeply. No. Mm. I thought that was a bit silly. Yeah. But very funny to watch. 
uh when did this, when did this all come up i'm just trying to think okay late but, 50s I mean, goodness i'm just me, i'm I just mean. wondering whether there's a <laughs> whether there's any case to be made for the for the, for the idea that he was um that he was inspired by lobsang vampa at all he was the famous plumber from larsa oh yeah you ever heard of this case uh don't know no he's wrote a, wrote a book that sold half a million copies tuesday lobsang vampa claimed to right. have, claimed to have grown up in a tibetan monastery Encountering yetis, yogic flying, and other Buddhist mysteries, wrote a, right. wrote, wrote a book called The Third Eye, and then turned out to be a plumber from Devon. <laughs> There's so much this about. It reminds me of that that magician who pretended to be Chinese, who Li Sen Chang is possibly based. Yes, on, or, yeah, or, right, or possibly should have been based upon. <laughs> Rampant, <laughs> nevertheless, I'm um, reading from the from an article in the Guardian. Rampant, nevertheless, garnered a global following. His twenty books range from an interstellar travel memoir entitled My Visit to Venus, to Living with Llama, transmitted to him telepathically by his cat, Mrs. Fifi Grey Whiskers. <laughs> <laughs> There's a lot of it about in the 70s, wasn't there? Yes, yeah. It's a shame it's coming back in fashion now among the um, conspiracy theorists. Hmm. Still, what goes around. But, I mean, part, part of it's obviously that there were genuine, genuine Tibetan refugees, effectively. Coming to the West after after China, yes. you know, like oh, in the aftermath of the through the fifties and sixties, and um, and uh, well, I mean, obviously, obviously, Barry himself was um, a Buddhist of some description, wasn't he? he was a follower. Yes, of the, yes, yeah. Uh, so, so I I wasted the forty five minutes that I gained by watching mm -hmm. the cut down version by then going on to watch the making of hey, on the DVD. Excellent. I meant to get around to that, but didn't. Yeah. Barry Letts was talking about that on the, the Making of documentary. Mm. And I, I guess you got the impression that of him talking in you know, later life that, that he, you know, he looked back with a little embarrassment in terms of quite how fervently enthusiastic he'd been in his 50s, was it, when he wrote this? Mm. 40s or 50s. Perhaps was, I mean, I think, I think he was still a Buddhist adherent, but maybe mm. not quite as... And he, and he did say that he knew nothing about Tibetan Buddhism. Mm. His interest was Zen Buddhism, ah, so he, mm. he, he, he may have got some of the details wrong. He thought, mm. uh, perhaps, in in the, in the storytelling. You see, if if this had been, if this was a Mac Hulk rewriting, he'd sort of take. I, mean, I, I just don't know enough about Sloman to. Um, but it's almost like you'd think it's the. Um, you've got the. Yeah, you'd you'd almost think there's a little bit of a battle between Barry Letts yes. going, yeah, Buddhism, Buddhism. Let's have lots of. Buddhism, and then a, then a somewhat more jaded or cynic, you know, cynical, <laughs> cynical writer saying yes, but let's make them all frustrated middle, you know, all the people at the retreat are frustrated yes. middle managers and, you know, <laughs> tiny petty men, and you know, you'd think you might do something like that, but um, hmm. but, but there is perhaps a, a throwback there to the demons, isn't there? Because in the demons, you've got all the little people yes. in the village, haven't you? Yes, they? yeah. That's very true. Um, That's very so that may well piece. be a, a Robert Sloman or, or a Barry Letts thing, for that matter. Mm. Yeah. It's interesting seeing Robert Sloman writing Sarah Jane, because um, mostly, I mean, like 99% of the time she's in character, but there are a couple of lines when she starts speaking groovy 70s speak, more like the sort of <laughs> stuff that he, Sloman gives to Joe Grant and a mm. lot of his other <laughs> young people. Mm. But you have to really tune in to hear it. Hmm. I think it's because Liz Slayton's such a good actress; she covers it up. Hmm. Yeah, there was there was one decent story in in the making of, which was that 
Richard Franklin was saying that he was essentially written out of the series because he had commitments in Yorkshire and he couldn't make it down to London all that often. Mm. Actually, as it turns out, the unit was was written out by um, Philip Hinchcliffe not much longer after this anyway. So, Mm. I I mean, I think the, the end result of all of this is that Franklin gets three interesting stories for his last three and, and you know, in decent parts in all of them yep. whereas John Levine by contrast is very much a, in a bit part player mm. yep. and yeah absolutely I, I, if I were him I was thinking about that I would definitely have traded possibly appearing in the background <laughs> of you know, getting more of his usual shtick in Robot and Zygons at the most yeah. for, mm. for what he did get but, mm. and Benton's not in this and the Brigadier's only in Two episodes. Hmm. No, it's been in it. Yeah, very briefly. Oh, so yeah, he is in the first two episodes and then the, the very episode. end. But no, yeah. 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 So anyway, um, yeah. So, you, but it's not like unit unit don't get called in. They must have really appreciated him as a character, and it's quite hmm. a vote of confidence in him as an actor as well to give him this. So, uh, yeah. yeah. Interesting that they don't give unit more to do, in, as it's. I mean, I suppose they didn't think it was going to be their swan song, did they? And I did also wonder. Hmm. Did, yeah, they go on and re- did they go on and record Robot very soon after this? Apparently they... simultaneously. Right. Hmm. The, the, there's, there's a, there's, or at least there's a bit of an overlap anyway. I mean, <laughs> it's a silly little thing, but they've made reference to Dr. Sullivan, who then turns yes. up in the next story. I've, I'm sure I've seen people suggest that it was just a coincidence. or Not, not a coincidence, hmm. but um, not a plan. Not a deliberate reference to a character they knew was going to appear. I mean, they, they, even if they hadn't recorded them simultaneously, Dix must have been writing Hmm. robot would have known where it was going so anyway i guess the point is they didn't think unit was going out and even if it was there was going to be one more big unit bash Hmm. coming yes so yes because it's the kind of scenario in which you'd expect units to turn up at the you know turn up at the monastery yes with with some bazookas again yeah again that's the sort of yeah Hmm. with the eight legs there uh, five rounds around (laughs) doesn't work yes (laughs) Why did I just do a John Pertwee voice for my Brigadier impression? That I really don't, don't know. That's I'm some... recovering from a cold, yeah. everybody. It's yeah. happening <laughs> in my brain. <laughs> uh, just, just in terms of the writing craft, I was going to oh, like the, the the way it's put together. And again, I'm not sure what made it to the cut. There's a couple of nice little touches, like the in episode four, I think it is, where they where they sort of, they tell the story of the crash and the how the spiders came to be, kind of thing through interweaving two separate. People narrating the we get yes that, that did the, make the cut the two separate info dumps of it yes. you know to which helps to break that up and and make it you know you get a lot it covers a lot of ground in a yes. short in a short space yep. of time without without having to sort of fall back on one sophisticated yeah 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 and then on the on the flip side yes it's on the um, on screen flashbacks in episode five mm. which is again you know that's somewhat. Unusual for Doctor Who's. It's not something that usually enters into Doctor Who's grammar no. in general, is it? Every time something odd like that happened, I kept thinking, I wonder if this is an art, you know, part of the cut down version, <laughs> and, it, and it never was. It was just. A... It's not for the dark that's in colour either. We haven't discussed that one, have we? Yet? Yeah. <laughs> we did talk about. When I spoke to, to, to Ben about his editing job on the darks in colour, mm. and, and we remembered that it was. You know, it was something that that had actually happened in the Daleks itself. In that Susan remembers Ian telling her to get oh, back to, yes. to the quite and quickly. And you all quite confidently said it was the only time they'd ever been a flashback. Uh, in mm. Classic Who. 
Is that where you're going with that? No, well, <laughs> Ben also mentioned some in, in Unearthly Child, but yes, you're right. We 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 ignored these ones in Plant of the Spiders. So, yes, it <laughs> well, just goes surprised. to show. I was astonished when it happened. <laughs> yes, yeah, yeah. I can't be alone in being slightly disheartened when we get to the planet of the shouting colonists, can I? You have to have a heart of mm. stone not to think. Oh my God, here we yes. go again. Why can yeah. they never? <laughs> Eve, I mean, you know, suddenly we get a group of people who make Lupton's four boring friends seem well-defined. Why, why can yeah. they not write these people with any sense of commitment or sense of reality? Mm. And why do the actors drop into... <sighs> it's odd. I mean, normally they go into mock Shakespeare, mock classical mode mm. when, yeah. they're, when they're playing people from another civilization in togas. Mm. But here, they've all got mummerset accents, and yet yeah. still somehow, they seem to simultaneously... So that be who are, but also speaking in yeah. some sort of strangely yes, heightened yeah. faux classical language. It's a really bad combination. Yeah. And aside, aside from the women, and then Jenny Jenny Laird just sort of comes on and declaims. Yeah, I feel like her role is minimised in the cut down version, but maybe I'm, I'm remembering more in the original version mm. just because it was so awful. <laughs> it's not that much. Um... I came away with the impression mm. that the that they cut more early on in the story and yes, started I think letting, you're right. and the edit got a bit flabbier later on. But maybe that's just maybe they didn't, and I just <laughs> felt I wish they'd cut more later on. It's just very yeah. difficult to tell without a complete set of notes. Perhaps there is one. Perhaps there will be on the Blu-ray a PDF of all the yeah. editing mm. notes. By the way, um, technical question: Do we know if this is a genuine original edit from the BC archives, or was it one of the ones they remade because they had the notes of? The cuts that were made. No, it's I believe it's the original because it says unrestored right. on the DVDs, oh, okay. so it's it's not chopped out of the one that they've. It didn't look too, anyway. too bad it, when I accidentally no, uh, got got close to TV to um for some reason. <laughs> I don't, it looked a bit grainy, but by and large, it yeah, was... I th- I, it was a lot better than anything that you, you'd see at the Riverside, hmm. uh, at one of those Duas events. Yeah, I thought I, it was perfectly watchable on my telly. I'll where, say do that. They, where do they source their viewing prints from? Australian um, affairs? Yes, yeah, something like <laughs> that. Like yeah. <laughs> oh, good. But I mean, there's, there's, there is something about seeing terrible quality Doctor Who on a big screen mm. that, um, <laughs> you know, you, 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 it's hard to beat. Yeah. So there's an allegation, I mean, it made it as far as the production notes, that rather, yeah. rather until 1965 awarded a Jenny Laird prize for. Acting achievement in a thankless role, <laughs> for which the for which the recipient got a fiver, which right. which suggests that Jenny Laird at some point in her in her younger days had knocked it out of the park acting in a thankless role. Well, you know she's in Black Nile Sisters and things like that, mm. and yet she's become this byword for yeah. Well, ev- everyone has a bad week, I suppose. Mm, yeah, <laughs> and I, I guess it, it's it's unfortunate for her that it. Her bad week's one that's been seen by you know, tens of thousands of people mm. because it's uh, you know survived in the archive. Yes, mm. <laughs> I, I guess you know you, you, you've 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 got the climax, and I guess what the doctor says is that he's he's become greedy for knowledge, mm-hmm. you know, and it's part of this Buddhist allegory. Yes, on the making of documentary, mm. Terence said he doesn't really get by this. He doesn't see that as being uh, yeah. um, 
in yeah. in, in the third doctor's character particularly he mm. said he said john maybe yeah. but the third doctor no mm. and it it does seem a bit of a, a, a i mean it works well in 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 the in the story itself but it does seem slightly uh, unusual for the third doctor to suddenly become self critical at this point mm. yeah and or rather <laughs> it's something he tends to do once per series when Robert, when Barry Letts is <laughs> rising. I mean, it is, a, it is yes, astonishing true. across that era how many different per, uh, John, you know, third doctors there are. Um, well, they're not that many. There's two or three, depending on which way you look at it. But he is distinctly different, isn't he, when he's getting philosophical. Mm. From the, the gung-ho, mm. the Bob Holmes version where he's being very clubbable. Hmm. And sarcastic, and and then he's met the, the mellow, let Sloman version. Hmm. <laughs> yeah, it's it's interesting this this whole Buddhist parable thing. That yes, um, I wonder whether that was Barry, like post post facto, but I, I'm not sure. I mean, I think there was something to, because the whole thing with the the lost Delgado finale was going to be that there that there was going to be that the the master was going to turn out to be some reflection of the doctor's id or something wasn't there yeah mm. supposedly if not literally his brother then so he'd have been the val- yeah spirit. the valiard before his time was sort of the, <laughs> the implication in which case yeah god knows what that would have done to us with regeneration and so on and i think yeah maybe because they didn't go down that route then they went down they went down another route of the you know but doing something similarly self-exploratory kind of thing but the thing that struck me watching it was i was just thinking hang on lord of the rings all right yeah because i thought well hang on so the so the doctor goes on a random adventure and picks up this crystal that ends up being the one crystal that is and then has to go on a something of an epic quest to mount doom where he um yeah you've got giant spiders okay okay and the doctor has to go to yeah ends up having to take it to um Going to Mordor, and he actually takes it to um, old what's his name, Sauron. But um, yeah. yeah, but I, I, yeah, I kind point. of thought, oh yeah, that's definitely. if the master had been there, he'd have, he could have been the Golem character and been fighting. Yeah, ooh, over it on, yes. the, on the precipice. Yeah, ah, why didn't they keep Lupson around for that? That could have been good. Well, exactly. That could have been good too. Then it would have really been, uh, yeah. <laughs> Are this just a sign of how? Unfortunately, mm. ultimately, as interesting as he may be, he's not a big enough character to mm. stick around for the the heft of the story that will yes, turn out yeah. to be telling. Mm. So there is a slight mismatch there. Yeah. So I mean, going with your Lord of the Rings analogy, it does feel to me that what we end up with in this is quite a literary story, which is hard to realise on screen, and probably you know quite a lot of the things that we're been complaining about is mm. just because you know f- for a 1970s studio bound story it was mm. it, it it was you know i mean that they've, they've given it a very good go i suppose you'd say mm. maybe that's why i like look, why i like the book so much i think it's the sets once we get to metabolis that let it down yeah mm. and it's only yeah. the sets really the models are great the the landscape shots are very yeah. good but and the spiders look great they look more than good enough to <laughs> Visuals on Doctor Who only ever have to be good enough to convince mm. and or scare children. That's yeah. what they're there yeah. for. They don't have to stand up for adults. Mm. And we, we 
Adults have no business being pissy about the look of Doctor <laughs> Who. Mm. But, yeah. yeah, the sets are, are terrible. I mean, it's just, it's Doctor Who in a nutshell. They, the first, you know, the Earth stuff looks terrific because it's just a house. And the BBC <laughs> can do that. Mm-hmm. Any BBC designer can make that look mm. great. Mm. But this person is clearly, I don't know who did the sets, but they're clearly terrified by the idea of being asked to create the spider's throne room. It's just, mm. That's the Nadir, really. It's just a table, a curved table. Yes, yeah. I, I was trying to work out ways you could make, improve it with new you know, new special effects, new backgrounds, but you can't really. Mm. They need too much rotoscoping. Mm. So I, if, I mean, we get there eventually with the with the Great One's Cave, but if only the yes, that's very you know, well the done. Others, the, the initial room could have been some sort of scaled down version mm. of that. Yeah, yeah. It just looks so pitifully prosaic. Yeah. Mm. Yes, you, you're saying. I was going to say I remember that uh, at some point in the mid seventies on Blue Peter, some teenage, well, at least he seemed a bit older than me anyway, uh, um, uh, appeared in the. Uh, Blue Peter Studio with a model that he'd made of the spiders in the spider throne room. So um, mm. obviously it it, it 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 had made an impression on mm. some fan or other. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Whether that appears on the DVD as well, I don't know. Mm. I, did, I didn't uh, didn't look that hard. Mm. If it didn't, it'll be on the Blu-ray. <laughs> They're not going to miss anything this time round. It's mm. the last chance to stuff <laughs> every bit of every bit of crap. Yeah. <laughs> Last thoughts, and, and, uh, and then we wrap up. Two things that I don't think we've touched on, particularly. Yep. Tommy, what do we make of him? And he's a bit, supposedly Sloman expressed doubts subsequently, felt that it was, he wouldn't have done that, wouldn't have done that these days, or in the in the 90s, or whenever he was being interviewed. Hmm. Yeah, I mean, take a step back. Ultimately, what is the point of him in the story? Is it just a bit of colour, or... Is he supposed to represent any of the themes? Does well, it feels it themes? feels like he is because he gets enlightened. He he becomes the enlightened. Yeah. yeah. It feels like, although it's not spelt out, it feels like he gets enlightened by, by the crystal in some, by his he achieves enlightenment or whatever and becomes. Yeah. yeah. It's a, it's yes, which is tricky, isn't it? Because that's obviously not. If a villain had achieved enlightenment, that would have. That would have been more. Hmm. I mean, obviously, we would prefer <laughs> Sarah Jane not to shout at him. You're normal. Hmm. What? <laughs> no, or, no, yeah, or for no. Campo to say he's been cured, or hmm. yeah. this is what cured him. Hmm. Um, but what? You can't really. This is hardly surprising for for the time. On the, I mean, you know, weighing it up, he's not quite sympathetically written and acted, hmm. even if. This, even if it's fundamentally misconceived. Yeah. So, isn't he the bloke of Rotarian June, by the way? Well, yes. I, a, he's a very, <laughs> Just he's a very good actor, and he subsequently went on and wrote... Well, I think he's a very good actor. And he subsequently wrote The Feathered Serpent. Oh, yeah. 70s, yeah. 70s ITV? ITV? Was it ITV? Well, anyway. That, yeah, it's about the, Az- the Aztec. The Aztec, also, Aztec, yeah. Aztec drama. Yeah. Staple of... Yeah, that was very well received. And... And yes, yeah, Terry and June. Well, nobody's perfect. <laughs> Frankly, yeah. yeah. <laughs> I mean, I, I guess he's being portrayed as sort of fairly pure-hearted, and, and mm. I mean, maybe that's also a bit. Yeah, it's 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 perhaps talking down to 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 someone to say you know that he's 
that he could only be pure hearted. It's tricky. I don't, I don't it's know. tricky. Mm, it's, yes. um, it's a bit of a cliche, but and a bit patronising. But um, what's the yeah. opposite? You have a you have, you have representation. You have somebody with the same condition Tommy has, who's mm. a complete bastard. Yes. Yeah. Nobody's going to be very happy about. Yes, mm, yes. That, RTD that wouldn't wouldn't, wouldn't go with that, would he? Yeah. So <laughs> I, I don't know. Yeah, I don't know. No. I, it it well, I mean, look, it's part of the story. So mm. like with go. a lot of things that we come across in 60s and 70s Doctor Who it could have been worse oh I think it's hard <laughs> and, and they I meant well it's those two phrases right have been inscribed just... on the yes. program's tombstone <laughs> <laughs> yeah. talking of it could have been worse than they meant well the other thing we haven't actually we've, we've managed to we've managed to completely skirt around the elephant in the room that is the chase right yes I'm not watching that again well, presumably, I, I, you, I, presumably I, you saw a cut-down version of it, I well, guess. Well, you'd think that, wouldn't you? I was going to mention that. <laughs> or did I they keep that in? <laughs> I think it was well, virtually intact. Yeah. Except. The tramp, the tramp's not in it, is he? The, the tramp, the comedy oh. tramp. So all the serious parts of the chase are, are there. Okay. They've just they tightened it up by removing the comedy tramp. Does they have the comedy yeah. policeman? But, yes. Yes. <laughs> okay, good. Yes, he does. Because yeah, I hadn't, I hadn't realised until it was pointed out on the production that's quite what a rip off of um, "Live and Let Die." The whole thing is right. The, the whole the, it's it's a sort of shot shot for shot, low budget remake of the, um, the pigeon that does a double take. Yeah. <laughs> but, well, that's true. That's true. They but the, um, that. the comedy policeman is J.W. Pepper. Mm. Yeah, I really enjoyed it this time. Mm. Fair enough. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I, I would say overall. <laughs> mm. I found the cut-down version much more acceptable on the basis that it was quite a lot shorter. Mm. And having remembered it being tedious to watch, it was actually it actually Indeed. zipped by a decent pace. It's okay. kind of, I, I was delighted by it, and it's also ruined the story for me now, because I don't think I'd ever go back to the, the long yeah, version. You see, now I, I, want more, to... I want more of these. Okay. I, would, I, yeah. I, I want to know, but I'm not enough to do it, research it myself, whether they cut whole scenes to speed mm. it up, or kept... Or just cut scenes down. I mean, they, 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 they definitely they cut parts out of one of the scenes because when I looked at the transcript of a scene, it was quite a lot longer than the bit that was on the mm. the compilation. Because you know, the the more cuts you make, the harder work it is. But uh, yes, mm. but I believe they're all planned very thoroughly on paper beforehand. Mm. So have, have we done Genesis of the Daleks yet? Because of course there are two cut downs of that, two competing ones. Yeah. One of which I gather has a much better reputation than the other. Mm. But um. No, we haven't. Uh, and and also, again, <laughs> based on nothing but my own feeling, it didn't feel like they'd edited it in the way that mm, a lot of modern action films were edited, where they'd cut all the character stuff first and just left mm. the plot. I never got that feeling. There was plenty yeah. of whimsy mm. and character, and it just seemed very nicely balanced. So mm. I don't know what I don't know what they cut. Write in and tell mm. me. Did Barry Letts do the cut like, himself? Do we know? I believe so, but I can't tell you hmm. for certain that he did. Okay. Well, he'd obviously have had skin in the game on both sides of things, I guess. Like he'd have. So yeah. the the other thing you were going to mention, presumably, was Nick Courtney's hair. Uh, no, I, th- I think they're... Okay. <laughs> no, just, yes. I mean, goodness mm. me. He's not looked very military for a while now, but this is, <laughs> there are limits. He, <laughs> Frankly. It looks like um, it's a Bob from whatever happened to the Likely Lads. Mm. 
Oh, well. Yeah, standards are well, slipping. He's, he, yeah, he's he's a you know young and thrusting chap about town. I don't know. Mm. Certainly, the the um, the pictures of Nick Courtney from that era mm. shown to be anything but uh, military in nature. Mm. <laughs> <laughs> the, what with his cravat and his yeah, yeah he, he looks very he looks very actually. Mm. Yes. And, Do- and Doris, of course, gets her first looking, doesn't she? Although I was going to ask you, is that's in the? Oh yes, yes, yes. That's that was chopped, wasn't it? Yes. Ah, we don't we we don't get Doris. Oh, you don't get they Doris. Had no in idea the about okay. how important that mention yes. would be. Yes. Yeah. Yes, that's true. That's the mother <laughs> of Kate Stewart. Mm. The... Yeah. Everyone's favourite regenerating unit boss. Oh, is she actually? Is what? she actually Kate's mother canonically? Um, I've no idea. How would I know? I don't know. I wasn't there. I was, yeah. Okay. Fair. No. I mean, <laughs> I always had the. Or or is she the daughter of the first Mrs. Stewart? Uh, mm. Well, you see, that's my that was my suspicion. I'm, I'm sure it's been covered. And of mm. course, Kate's had. An, if you you know, for all us downtime fans, Kate's had an interesting journey herself. I'd love mm. to fit them to fit a story in that missing the Kate's wilderness years <laughs> to see how she got from a hippie on a boat to uh, this power dressed. Mm. Scientific advisor. Yeah. Yeah. Well, well done, we Plant Spiders. It's always rated very lowly in my memory to mm. the extent that I I never watch it. And now I won't watch it anymore, but mm. I will think <laughs> of it fondly. I don't know how to watch this cut down version I've heard so much about. <laughs> well, I, I, I'd, I'd give yourself a few weeks. Mm. Uh, I, I'm not. I'm not sure it's 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 that yeah much better Look, than the one that you would have probably, watched. But it is. I mean, you might find all sorts of faults with it. You might be thinking they cut that. They <laughs> cut that. This is so ham-fisted. Mm. So who knows? It's, <laughs> yeah. I was blissfully ignorant of what was missing, mm. and I like that. Yeah. Yeah. Hmm. Well, if I leave it a Good. few weeks, now I'll, I'll be blissfully ignorant again. I'm sure. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So, do you want a brief interlude before we go into the other one? I yeah. wouldn't mind quickly brewing up another cup of tea, but yeah. yeah. right over. Second half will be shorter, won't it? Always is.